This is CliffCentral.com. You're listening to The Bounce Show with Byron Karpinski. I'm Hugh Bladen, and it's on CliffCentral.com. Um, it's Cliff Central, Blades, and it's Ben Karpinski. Why didn't you tell me? Ben Karpinski on CliffCentral.com. Cue dramatic music. I've got a great show lined up today because today we're talking the top 100 golf courses in all of South Africa. Now, I'm obviously particularly passionate about golf and golf courses in particular. And I always believe that, like, it's just so great to get out in this country for various reasons, to see the amazing scenery, go to the amazing places. And nothing helps me get out there and do more than the sport of golf. So I was lucky enough to stop playing golf when I was very young. Well, not very, very young, but I started when I was like 13. And I grew up in Cape Town and played a lot of courses around there. Absolutely loved it. Moved up to Gauteng and I played a lot of courses in between. The top 100 has come out. So what Golf Digest do, Golf Digest Africa, every two years they bring out this magazine. And it's a really hotly contested list of 100 golf courses from the best of the best down to 100. There is an amazing spread. It's an amazing effort to kind of judge all these different golf courses and get them together. So today I am chatting to Stuart McLean, who is the Golf Digest South Africa editor. He's in charge of the whole panel. He's in charge of the whole process. So I'm just very keen to chat to him about how the courses are selected, what the criteria is. And I'm sure you have many questions around that too. So if you go onto this list and you see your course at a certain number, you're either going to be like, eh, fair enough, or like, how the hell is it so low down or, you know, whatever it is. It's one of those topics that everybody's going to feel quite heated or animated about at the very least. So Stuart's going to basically shed some light on a few things with that. But also, it's a great way of getting golfers out there to play more. So you look at this top 100 list and you think, well, okay, I've played however many. I really want to play more. So I want to start with the top 10. I want to play as many of the top 10 as possible. So whether you love the list, whether you have misgivings around the list, whatever it is, it's getting golfers talking about golf courses. It's getting people involved in golf. And I'm a massive fan about that. So that's what the show is going to be about today. We are going to touch on a few headlines, but also with the whole uh, Top 100 feature, I'm going to be chatting to Ryan Reed and Michelle van der Vestes, and they are from Fancourt. Now, I'm going to Fancourt in a couple of weeks. I'm sure I've mentioned this about three or four times already in the morning show here on cliffcentral.com. Fancourt is along with Sun City, two of my favorite places in the whole world, for a variety of reasons, golf being one of the primaries. You get through those gates, and you're in a happy place. Everything you need as a golfer, as a sports fan, as a leisure-seeking tourist, whatever it is, it's all there. So I chat to Ryan and Michelle about what makes Fancourt so incredibly special, which also just ties in with what we're trying to do more in the show nowadays, bring more sort of like the business of sport onto the band show. See the inner workings of these amazing icons of sport, whether it be actual sports stars, uh, sporting brands, sporting events, or sporting destinations. And Fancourt is right up there with great, fantastic, phenomenal sporting destinations. I'm really excited about this. But first, we do need to touch on a couple of headlines before we get into the full golf feature. And i got to say, it's quite nice to be able to say that the Pro Tiers beat India. Yep, it's been a torrid, torrid summer Ever since that test series ended on that wondrous sort of bad taste, I guess you can say, I mean, that pitch didn't leave anybody happy, but left the Indians with a momentous win. And with that, well, they absolutely hammered the Proteas in the ODI series and it looked to be the same, same situation in the T20. But if it can rain, 
the Indian spinners get neutralized. That's what happened yesterday. And the Proteus got a very satisfactory six-wicket victory. Heinrich Klaassen, this guy has become a sensation, mostly because the rest of the Proteus batsmen aren't doing very well right now. So Klaassen smashed a 62, I think, of like 30 balls. Just amazing efforts. And him and JP Dumini steered the team home to win, which now sets up the decider in Cape Town. But as we know, it doesn't rain in Cape Town. Unless the test series, I know we lost a whole day there. It doesn't really rain in Cape Town, so the spinners will be back in action, and I can't see India losing that. But still, all eyes now go on to the, well, they already have in my, in my mind, onto the test series versus Australia. Massively exciting because test cricket, of course, is where the proteas are. Well, they have been traditionally strong, and the rivalry, rivalry with Australia has been so in, incredible over the years. Interesting enough, the proteas seem to win when they go to Australia. When they come back from Australia, well, the Aussies do pretty well here. If that's going to be the trend, I'm not too sure. Remember the last time they were here? David Warner batted like an absolute legend, and Mitchell Johnson scared the living hell out of the Proteus batsmen, and with that, they won the series. So, it be very interesting to see what goes on with that. Champions League this week, well, big wins for Bayern Munich. We kind of expected that. Uh, they played against the Besiktas from Turkey. Chelsea managed a, I guess, satisfactory draw with Barcelona. Uh, Sevilla drew with Man United last night. And then Shakhtar Donetsk, they beat Roma 2-1. So those are your big Champions League results from the week. Um, yeah, I, I, the, I, a part of me thinks this is the year that the English teams are actually going to do really, really well. And when I say really, really well, is that they may make a semi. They've been pretty well, average in the last few years. Chelsea won it a, a few years ago, as I'm sure you remember. But since then, the teams haven't really covered themselves in glory. And if you look at the draw, it's pretty favorable to all the English teams. I know obviously worldwide, especially here in South Africa, people gravitate towards the English teams. Man City looking strong. Liverpool looking very strong. Man United probably will get through. I think yesterday's 0-0 draw wasn't exactly unpredictable. But um yeah, Chelsea, if they can somehow do something amazing against Barcelona, I kind of doubt it. But still, these are good, good teams. Spurs also looking pretty good. They had a good win. Uh Sorry, a good sold. Sorry. Uplifting draw against uh, Juventus. Sorry. Two weeks ago, my mind's already frazzled. Super Rugby is back completely this weekend. So we're actually going to see all the teams playing. I know last week it officially started and the Stormers beat the Hagawaras and the Lions beat the Sharks. But this weekend, we've got a full run of fixtures, which sees the Hurricanes coming to Loftus Festival to take on the Bulls. The Stormers are already on tour. They'll be in Australia. And then, of course, the T20 series just wrap up with... Um, India versus South Africa. But the Winter Olympics, that is still the big thing. And I worked it out yesterday that out of all the sporting events I want to go see, obviously the Masters is going to be amazing to see one day. Uh, Ryder Cup golf, those are the two big things I really want to see. I mean, I've seen a Cricket World Cup. I've been to a Football World Cup home and away. I've been to a Rugby World Cup home and away, so to speak. All I want to do is go to the Masters of Ryder Cup. But also when I think about it, Summer Olympics, yeah, sure. Winter Olympics, definitely. So I worked it out. 1,443 days until Beijing 2022. It's a long time, I know, but if we start, if you, if you're on board with this with me, I think it's going to be a great plan. There are so many different sporting events that we'll go to and we'll kind of think, well, memorable, cool, similar to other things. There is nothing like the Winter Olympics and I'm hugely excited about that. So 1,443 days until the Winter Olympics in Beijing. We can all start saving up now and I'm pretty sure we can get there. Make whatever plan you need to do. Save whatever money you need to save. We can make it happen. Uh, otherwise, well, there was the doping scandal with the curling guy, the Russian. He originally said that, um, basically a disgruntled teammate who couldn't go to the Olympics spiked his drink with the Sharapova drug, meldonium. 
Uh, well, then his B his B sample came back positive, and after that, he didn't even appear appear at his hearing. So he's kind of admitted guilt, and that's the only real you know dodgy sort of black mark on the um on the Winter Olympics. There was a Slovenian ice hockey player who also had some sort of performance enhancer, but it's kind of minor. I think it's, it's pretty clear that these games have gone on without too many hitches. I mean, remember Sochi was such a disaster with the accommodation and all the other things. This one has been really, really good in Pyeongchang. There was the whole goodwill thing around um, North and South Korea coming together. So I think it's going, going great. Today is day 14, of course. It ends on day uh, 17, which is this weekend. So if you haven't seen enough of the Winter Olympics just yet, well, I do suggest that you get on there and get the last of the action. Those are your big sort of sport happenings right now. For more, catch me on the Gareth Cliff Show, Mondays to Fridays, just after 6.30. And that's also here on Cliff Central, of course. But right now, we must get into the big feature for the day, and that is the top 100 golf courses in South Africa. Now, I am obsessed with this issue. Golf Digest comes out every single two years. Got Stuart McLean on the line. Stuart, morning. Morning, Ben. How are you feeling? Yeah, super, thanks. Very good. Now, Stuart, I... um. I think like most golfers, this is the one time I really go out and buy a magazine. I really kind of focus on what's going on because I, I've been fortunate enough to travel around the, the country and I've played, I think, 83 of the top 100 of my last last estimation. You, on the other hand, have probably done my golfing life times 73. And this is actually the 20th year of the the rankings in Golf Digest. So first of all, big congratulations that you guys have upheld this. Since 1998, it was the first time that the golf rankings came out. 2018, it is a fantastic feature from start to finish. You guys really had done a great job, and I must start by saying it does look fantastic. Is this something Thank that's is this something that still excites you as much as it did in, the, in those early days of ranking golf courses? Fun enough, it still does. You know, it's, it's an evolving process. I think that uh, we're still trying to get it right in many ways. You know, we started off 20 years ago with no idea which club should be where. And I think we've sort of come down to a, a general picture now, but there's always clubs that are improving and maybe clubs we uh, can think again about and say, look, maybe they're better than they should be or other clubs that are not as good. So to me, it's a, it's a continually evolving process. If it wasn't that, it wouldn't be exciting for golfers around South Africa and for the clubs. You know, every club feels they should be much higher up, obviously. True. And that possibility does exist because we relook at the golf courses that they have. We see where they're improving them. And courses have made uh, dramatic changes either up or down the rankings. Yeah, like, look, I looked at this list. I looked at it again and again and again. Like any other golfer, and obviously I hide my opinions. I'm not going to get into a subjective argument with you on any of the rankings. But what, yeah. I, what, I, what I do really find interesting is that obviously you oversee this whole process. You've got a panelist of people that go out there. How do you select the panelists and what's their sort of average function in this? I mean, do they get to a golf course with a sort of scorecard in place? How does the actual, like, um, the nuts and bolts of the, of the ranking process go? Yeah, you know, we started off with a fairly small panel back in 1997 when you did the first ranking. There were 16 people, and we got them more or less uh, well-known people in the industry. No golf course designers, but from other different walks, golfers, administrators, veteran golfers, people who knew a lot about the game, just to give it some credibility in the beginning. And from there, we expanded to a general sort of panel up to about 120 at one stage, where we brought in the average golfer. And uh, we sort of got a lot of data. You know, we rated the courses according to the seven golf digest criteria. 
but we eventually got so much data that bringing in new data wasn't going to help anything. Courses would just stay the same. Yeah. So I've reduced the panel now to about 40, 50 people, and their job is really to go around to golf courses, have a closer look at them, give feedback on whether the course is improving, whether they've got any issues, what the changes they've made. It's really information about those courses. Then we sit down at the end of the year, not all of us, but a panel of us, and make decisions according to the latest rankings whether courses should be moving up or down. Okay. Now, you, you spoke of the criteria. So here, you know, how you rank it is shot value, playability, resistance to scoring, aesthetics, design variety, memorability, and conditioning. So just to be clear, you do not judge anything other than the actual golf course. So, I mean, if they, if you know, a lot of these country clubs now are putting in gyms and pools and family areas, it's just course, just alone. That's right. Okay. Yes. All right. Um, just one of the things that I do want to ask on the criteria before I move on a couple of questions, resistance to scoring and shot values. Now, this is something that the average golfer might not know a whole bunch about. Um, how big of this does come into the actual ranking process? The shot values. Yeah, so shot values, resistance to scoring. These are things that, I mean, a lot of guys maybe overlook for aesthetics and design values, some of the more obvious things. Yeah, the shot values actually counts double points. We look at that as the most important criteria. Okay. And that's looking at the courses, um, challenges for golfers, you know, how it poses risks and rewards and tests every club in your bag, you know. It's not just sheer power, but it's accuracy, finesse, all those aspects. Rather than just a plain golf course, which is set down, it's got no real hazards, uh, no sort of challenges in terms of uh, the way the hole shape or anything like that. So shot values would... Uh, recognize great design features and at the same time you look at a, a hole and you can say must I take on that challenge or not right. and those risks and rewards are what the shot values really comprise okay well it's, that's that's great I mean it's a great insight so I didn't actually realize so someone like Glendower now Glendower of course is the SA Open champion uh, championship layout for the last sort of five years I think it is they've had a fantastic rise up the rankings in the last two editions I mean they went to four I think and now they're at number two would you say like an old traditional layout like that is I mean that's where they can definitely score in shot value conditioning aside I mean these old championships are still offering so much in that regard yes I think so we also look at that, um, you know, when we look at courses like resistance to scoring, we're not looking at resistance to scoring or sunshine to a professional or European right. tour style. You know, we're looking at it from your good scratch golfer playing from the back team. So that's where the big challenge is. I think Glenn Dower's um, had something of a renaissance. It did sit outside the top 10 for quite a while. Mm -hmm. But getting the SA open, I think, woke a lot of people's eyes up to the qualities of Glenn Dower, the challenges, the beauties of the golf course. And it has made a sudden rise. It's really been quite spectacular. Right. Four years ago, it was number 12, and it's now number two. I think that's largely because Leopard Creek wasn't considered because of their reconstruction work. But it's, it's done exceptionally well, and I think uh, I like to see the old courses recognized. You know, For many years, uh, the Gulf Dodgers' top three or four courses were resort or state courses. Yeah. Uh, and admittedly, they're wonderful courses, Fancourt, Sun City, Leopard Creek. It's great to see a, a member's course, which isn't too expensive to play, mm -hmm. a course that you can join quite easily. It's great to see that up near the top, and I hope to see more of them in the future. Yeah, that's a good point. Now, Stuart, I could probably chew your ear off over about 36 holes around this whole subject, but I'll, I'll try rattle on. 
out of the courses that have gone through the, the, the recent selection process, what are the courses that are exciting you the most, just in consideration of what you said now about being members courses and upgrades and that kind of stuff? Which course have excited me the most? Yeah, I mean, look, you see this, and you're looking at it with your experience each and every year. I mean, are there any particular courses that, that South Africans should be paying more attention to, in your in your personal opinion? Yeah, I think we must, uh, you know, pay closer look at our, our old courses. I think those where you've got fantastic design uh, variety in terms of often the modern courses, you know, they're designed off a computer. Mm. There's a tend to find that the older courses, those which were built before 1980, for example, the designers got them down there on the ground and uh, you know looked at the the terrain and had more interesting design variety, I believe, than the modern courses sometimes have. I'm not uh, saying that a modern course is not badly designed, sure, but some of those quirky features, you know, you come across in golf things that make golf very different. I think often today a modern course doesn't have too many quirky features. A modern designer would never build some of those strange holes that you see in old courses. It just wouldn't fit into their eyeline and they would be sort of criticized for it. Yeah. But the older designers got away with murder sometimes, you know, because they didn't have the machinery or they could do nothing else. But the quirkiness of golf, I think, is really part of why we enjoy this game. Yeah, good point. Now, you touched upon Leopard Creek not being in the rankings this year. Of course, they essentially, they, they just redid the golf course. They've changed all the grass. They've made it more sustainable. Is this something that we're going to see more of in the ranking process, that courses will be praised for sustainability? Or do you think maybe that's a little bit too technical and not something that can apply to all the courses out there? I think sustainability is going to be a big thing in the next couple of years. And already seeing it with the water crisis we've had in the Western Cape, also yeah. the Eastern Cape. Of course, you can do a lot more with... Uh, cutting back on their water, you know, using it differently. There's been a tend to overwater a lot in the past, you know, just to have that green look that I think the golfers in this country enjoy. They love to have that thick, lush turf under their feet. Mm. But in fact, golf can be played quite easily off brown, hard fairways. In fact, it's more enjoyable sometimes. You can get a lot more run on the ball. At the moment, we hit drives and they just stop in the middle of the fairway. What's happened to those days? When people used to hit a, a drive and it used to run for 50 yards, you still see that on the PGA Tour. You see those guys bombing drives and they bounce incredibly. You yeah. don't have that in this country. And I think that sustainability, less water, could bring those features back into golf. Guess okay, so I'm going to put you on the spot here for, for one last question. Um, the President's Cup. Now, we knew it was at the, the Lynx at Fancourt. Uh, that was the one and only time it's been in South Africa. It's going to Australia next, and it goes back to America. It's been in Asia. It's been in Canada. We have to get it back here in South Africa. Which of the current courses on your list do you think would be the best President's Cup venue outside of the Lynx because they've already had it? 2023, which which would you put forward as your, your vote? You know, I'd like to see it at a big city course where lots of people can get there without having to fly halfway around the country. So the way I would see it, I'd go for a course like Royal Johannesburg and Kensington. To me, that's a wonderful property. It's got all the space, you know, with two courses there. They've just done a fantastic job on upgrading the East Course, and they're going to do the same again with the West Course this year. They've done a fabulous job with the property, and uh, to me, they really deserve a President's Cup. And being in the heart of Johannesburg, Everyone can go to it. That's what you really want to see. The last one at Fancourt really was too far away. It didn't get enough big crowds. We want 
30, 40,000 people at the President's Cup. That would create the atmosphere you see at a Ryder Cup. Yeah, sure. So Royal Johannesburg and Kensington for me. All right, Stuart, thanks so much for your time. It's, you're looking across this list and I mean, my mind's going to the fact that, you know, I want to go there. I'm actually put, doing a, a road trip decision, uh, in a couple of months time. Now, there's a course in the middle of nowhere, but I mean, it's a list like this that will take your average golfer and say, well, maybe this is worth considering. So congrats yeah. again on the issue and your, your whole team and, uh, long may it last and long may it, it's, it's, uh, it sparks some conversations around golf in SA. That's what we want. Thanks, Ben, for allowing me to talk about it. Cool. All right, Stuart. Happy golfing and all the best to the Cape Town Open. I'm you sure you're going to go watch a bit of that this weekend. Thanks. Bye. All right. Uh, yeah, so the top 100, I tell you what, there's many things you can debate about it, but what I found interesting about that was Stuart was saying how, how they value that whole, um, the shot value of golf courses. You know, we don't look at that kind of stuff as average hackers, you know, and to look at why maybe the courses are in the top 10 the way they are. Um, you know, there's, there's some really fantastic golf courses. Just to give you an understanding, obviously I'm not going to reveal this whole list of the top 100. You can actually go, um, I'll put the link on the, with the podcast. You can actually buy the, the Golf Digest, uh, the digital version if you don't want to go to stores and buy it. But just to give you an example, like, um, the club at Stain City, it's a course I love, okay, mostly because I have my best score there, but it's a great golf course. You know, there's something that really special has got into it. They had a lot of money. They spent it well. That course has come in at number 25. For many people, you look at that course and go, oh, this must be the greatest course around. But there's many, many different things that make a golf course uh, truly special. So go through this list. I'm sure people will debate it. People will say, well, that course should be higher. That course should be lower. I mean, that's that's natural. But it's what Stuart to say about how these things are assessed. And, um, you know, I, I was very serious about the President's Cup, Cup uh, question there in that it's got to come back to SA. And because we've got so many amazing golf courses, I mean, the venues are all queuing up. But I do agree. I think major city, uh, Glendale has done really well with the SA Open. Royal Johannesburg and Kensington, they've just had the big refurb of the East Course. And they've shown time and time again with the Joburg Open what a composite layout and host it is. So this whole thumbs. Um, 2023, President's Cup in SA. And I agree. Royal, Royal Johannesburg. Interesting story about Stuart before we get on to the next interview, actually. Uh, he is a member of the RNA. So he can just go to, go to St. Andrews and just play. You know, this is a guy who's done a lot of things in golf. He's been around forever. Uh, not, not calling him old. It's just that he's like a proper golfer through and through. And when I first wanted to get into sports content, I, uh, I, I started out. Well, okay. So I had a, I had a decent job once upon a time. It was very comfortable and all those kind of things, but I just didn't like it. I didn't think it was my, my path in life. I wanted to create sporting content. So I quit my job. I went to an advertising agency, learn how to write, and I caddied for a friend of mine in a pro event. So I thought, oh, this is so cool. I'm going to caddy for my friend. I'm going to give this, I'm going to write this great story about, you know, on the bag with, with, uh, Jacques Blau was my friend's name. Um, so he was playing on a winter tour event and I wrote the story about my experience as a caddy and I sent it to Golf Digest. I sent it to Stuart, you know, with these big intentions, like I could write for Golf Digest. I love golf. I think I can write a bit. And Stuart basically responded saying, you have written a lot, but said very little. And, um, I mean, I, I, did, I had no idea what to expect. I don't even know if you would read it or reply, but he basically responded in a very sort of, um, clinical matter saying, this story is basically a pile of crap. And from that moment, I then started a blog. I then got into writing because I think Stuart's, 
Stuart's feedback was so unflattering, but it was completely true. I mean, I actually read the story um, over when, oh, with his insights, and it was. It was a crap story. I, I, I gushed about all the wrong things, and I waffled along because, I mean, back then I just started writing. So, I mean, I had no real reference of any ability to kind of, you know, do anything decent, and it was crap. And uh, I think if Stuart didn't tell me that, I don't know, maybe I could be a different place. But I definitely appreciated the feedback, and I feel I have come a long way since then. But enough about that. We must move on. So as Stuart said, uh, the top round of golf courses, you know, Fancourt Links, that is the number one. That did host the President's Cup a while back. So I chatted to a guy called Ryan Reed. Now, Ryan Reed is the Director of Sports and Recreation at Fancourt. Together in the interview is Michelle van der Vestes, and she's the marketing manager there at Fancourt. Now, what I wanted to find out is that, yes, Fancourt's brilliant. We all know where it is. It's in George. It's really close to George Airport underneath those picturesque Otaniqua Mountains, and it is a marvelous property. It really is. Three golf courses there. Just to give you an understanding how great these golf courses are, the links uh it's, it's the best. Uh, it has been now. It's back-to-back defending champion of the title. So I think all things considered, when it comes to South African golf courses, it's Leopard Creek or the Lynx at Fancourt. Those two are just a little bit above the rest. No matter, no disrespect to the rest of the, the golf courses in the top 10. You go to those golf courses, you are somewhere special. And I'm not saying it from a South African perspective, very much international perspective. They are incredible. But Fancourt's also got two other golf courses, the Montague course and the Otaniqua course. The Montague course is ranked eighth in the current rankings, and the Otaniqua course is uh sure where they have it now, fourteenth. So on the property you've got one, eight, and fourteen. So I chatted to the two of them about what makes the resort so so fantastic, so memorable, and ultimately why you should probably go visit because I talk about these things because I want to share my sporting life and I've never been happier. This Sun City and Fancourt, those are my two happiest places. So here's my interview with Michelle and Ryan around Fancourt. Man, I always do that. Got to turn the other thing off. (laughs) Anyway, here's an interview with the guys in Fancourt. Now, it was back in 1995. I had just started playing golf. I was a young 13-year-old, impressionable young kid. And I was in the garden route with some friends of my parents. And they said, well, there's this golf tournament on. Let's go have a watch. And it was a bad day for the beach that day. So off we went. It was the Bells Cup, 1995. Ernie Els was playing. He was just this, this fresh-faced youngster, just won the U.S. Open. And that was my first time I'd ever been to Fancourt. And it was back then it was mind-blowing. 23 years on, it is still one of my favorite places to go in all of South Africa. I'm chatting today to Ryan Reed, who's the Director of Sports and Recreation at Fancourt, which is, well, Ryan, firstly, hello. Hello. Um, How are you doing? Yeah, good, thanks. Secondly, it's it's quite a place to work this, isn't it? I've, I started oh, end of last year, November um, 2016, and I've been here for just over 15 months. And I must say, we are truly blessed to come to work in this uh, paradise on a daily basis. Yeah, it, it really yeah. is. Like, you know, as I said in my intro there, I've, uh, Fancourt's been special to me for quite some time. So it's absolutely no surprise when I see awards racking up. I mean, recently, International, sorry, International Association of Golf Tribal Op- Operators Award for Golf Resort of the Year 2018 in category Rest of the World. Now, this, this entire world is full with amazing places. To one that is huge. World Golf Awards, SA Best Golf Hotel 2017. And then this week, you guys have just been announced again, Golf Digest SA, number one golf course, which is the Lynx at Fancourt. It sounds like sounds to me this could be quite a high-pressure job maintaining such an amazing pedigree. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I think we're very lucky, though, Ben. Um, we've got three incredible golf courses and, you know, unique infrastructure that kind of sets us apart already. Uh, all three courses, the Lynx, uh, Montague and Otanuqua, you never feel like you're playing the same golf ball twice. Sure. Um, and you don't have to leave the estate. So it, uh, we really are lucky. And then again, I mean, Michelle can speak more on the hotel perspective, but... The infrastructure is just incredible, um, and our people who who just have a friendly face, um, yeah, seem to make all the difference. So we're very blessed. I mean, the the location, the mountains, the views, from a golf perspective, the water features, everything is just uh, yeah, we're very lucky. Yeah, I think it's a lot of it is is the people and the passion of the people that work here. Um, I also only started well, I only started last year here in 2017, and I was amazed by the longevity of staff. I mean, the amount of staff that have spent 20, 25 years, 26 years working at Fancourt, and just their absolute passion. They really do act as if it's their own, and I think that goes to making it such a special place added to everything else that just, as you say, location and beauty, it just adds to making it a guest experience all that much more special than any other potential five-star beautiful hotel. I see you also ranked 38th in Golf Digest US edition for the greatest courses around the world. So, I mean, that's pooling a whole bunch of stuff together. Um, you know, with regards to your, your visitors, you know, how, what would you say the ratio would be from international to local as far as your, your year-on-year traveler? Um, we're sitting on about a 50-50 split on that, um, local versus international. Um, so, yeah, it's a nice split for us, and it works well because we see a lot of our locals come through in our winter period, um, whereas, you know, the, the internationals travel over high season. So it does help sort of balance it out for us. Right. Now, one thing I do enjoy about Fancourt, again, when you, you go through those gates, everything about it is quite unique. Now, um, Ryan, is there a bit of a focus sort of every month or particular seasons about, you know, you need a place to look at like this in a certain way or we're going to try something like this? Do you guys actively sort of sit together and sort of plan how, how the place is viewed from visitors from month to month? Every first Monday of every month, we have a HOD strat session. Uh, and we're trying to plan three to five and even 20 years ahead wow. to know what, what the end goal is. So we do have a picture in, in mind and, you know, nowadays the you know, the, the uh, most popular word, I guess, in the industry is sustainability. Sure. So we're looking at all sorts of different things that can improve our, you know, our green status, which is quite fun, actually. Um, it's not just the ordinary... Um, towels on a hotel bed or you know the soap in the in the basin type of thing and that attention to detail it's, it's actually where we want to be 20 years from now and and what market we're trying to attract to the resort 20 years from now so innovation wise you know how how often do you guys sort of consult um specialists or kind of bring in people in order to make it more of an innovative experience going forward for guests <laughs> Uh, we're fortunate that we get a lot of uh, experienced travelers to the resort, and we try and tap into that as often as we possibly can. Now, this is something I've got to ask because I've I've worked in corporate before, and I've been teased with great venues you go to for these things, but you don't get to actually appreciate the facilities. Just between the two of us, how often do corporates do the conferencing thing and not play golf or not really utilize the facilities, or do you kind of urge them in that direction? 
I must be honest, not very often. I think a lot of them come here to, as the, for the conference as an excuse to be actually be able to play the course. So, and to, and to enjoy the facilities. Um, it's quite interesting. Yeah. I think the conference plays an important part, but there's always time for leisure and they always make time to spend time, whether it be on the course or any of our other facilities like the spa, et cetera. What would you say would be your personal highlights as far as being in the job? I know you guys just had the Dimension Data Pro-Am, but what are the other sort of highlights you guys really look forward to when working at Fancourt? Um, I, I read up my first long answer. <laughs> it, um, you know, the, the constant striving to improve and get better, I think, um, and then to have the backing of Dr. Hasso Plattner and, and support and his passion involved in the project. Um, makes a huge difference to me personally. Um, when you when you do put um, proposals on the table, they looked at seriously, and and should there be a benefit, then um, we're fortunate that we can go ahead and do those upgrades, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So um, I enjoy that side of it. Um, the interaction with a multitude of visitors from local to international to celebrities to um, you know, even even to our, our local George players, um, they all appreciate the effort. Um, so I guess that's for me. That's what, what I enjoy about it. Well, I think I think it's also the the guests' um, sort of reactions and and the guest feedback. Um, you know, often for us as our hotel, things that are done like the other day, um, the staff saying goodbye to one of our two of our guests, one who had actually for many reasons, had to stay longer, which we didn't mind. Um, and just the appreciation of, of the effort made, simple effort, cost us no money, but the fact that the staff wanted to do that and, and their reactions to it. Um, and, and yes, just saying, I cannot wait to come back. Um, I cannot wait to see the property again, you know, looking forward to my next round of golf on, on any of the courses. That is also great because you can see the excitement and passion of them for fan court, which, which makes it all worthwhile. I think um, from a staff perspective, the the locals that do work at Fancourt really appreciate Fancourt. They like Michelle said earlier, they they treat it as their own. And they've only they've grown up in the area and this is all they know. And and not only has Fancourt potentially supported that current individual, but probably mom and dad and and brother or sister in the past as well. So we have a lot of families that work here. My first experience at Fancourt, I think it was only 27 holes there, and it's now, well, 54 right. incredible holes. Is there anything we need to look out for in the future with regards to the golf? I know that it must be so difficult to maintain. I mean, the Lynx is, is ranked number one. Montague, Otoniqua aren't too far behind. I mean, these are really fantastic golf courses. In future, as far as uh, maintaining, is anything we need to look out for? Three in the top ten. Uh, two in the top 100 in the world and, and potentially a fun fun nine holes that uh, Dr. Plattner has in mind. So, yeah, quite, quite a bit. No. Uh, lots, of, lots of upgrades over the next couple of years uh, staying current. Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, I, I've just been involved in, in looking at um, Royal Johannesburg in Kensington. Mm. Their the east course just went through a substantial upgrade and their west course is going the same. I mean, just in closing, when you guys do look more on the golf side of things, do you have a sort of time plan that you work on, or is it just basically assessing the courses as you go forward? I know this is the you know the discussions linked to the to the golf digest, and we definitely do. So we uh, we we planned a few upgrades for the Otaniqua this year, hoping to be in time for for the ratings, and yeah, we managed to move 
of Tanikwa up two spots. Uh, we definitely look at it. And also, us as Fancourt are very seasonal. So, um, our international tourists and members travel back to the resort from November, October, November each year. So, our winters are quiet time and we, all those upgrades and work that we do on the golf courses, especially an hotel, is done in the quieter winter months. So, we are looking we're working now not only for the upgrades we're doing this coming season, but are already planning the, the, the future upgrades in 2020. Wow, that's a massive commitment. Well, again, you know, that's what's needed, I guess. Just in closing from both, from both of you, for all of those who haven't traveled to Fancourt just yet, and um, I, I'm shocked to know there are still people who play golf in this country who haven't made the pilgrimage. <laughs> what, what, what would be like a sort of a, like a parting sort of um, something to take for them to take out, like a, a real motivator to get, to get on down there? From my side, you know, the golf courses currently, just after the Dow data, are probably in the best condition they've maybe ever been. Um, and, you know, it's, it's one resort that you can unpack your bags, one hotel room, you don't have to travel anywhere further, and literally you don't need to leave the property. You can play three of the unbelievable golf courses, uh, eat in four amazing restaurants, and just enjoy, you know, the, the laid-back lifestyle that yeah, I think I need to sort of reiterate that. Um, interestingly enough, we had a journalist here a while ago, and after having him here for two days without walking out the gate, he's, his comment to me was, this is like a village. And for me, um, I'm not a golfer, and I know that's sacrilege to say, <laughs> and I am getting there. Um, but, you know, the, the golf courses are phenomenal, but the whole family can really enjoy and stay in a, in a brilliant environment where the kids can go one way and go and play at that recreation center safely while mom and dad, dad's on the golf course, mom's at the spa or potentially on the golf course. And everyone has a great time and, and they don't, this is sort of a one-stop shop. And if they do want to explore the garden route, easy to do from us. It's beautiful. It really is a little sort of space in paradise and um, worthwhile to stop. It's, it's become more than golf. Mm. Right. It really has. Um, there's so much for, for young families to do. Uh, we rent mountain bikes going up into the Tinequa Mountains, up the Montague Pass. Uh, there's just a lot. Actually, George, or the whole little garden route in and around us, um, is an absolute must as a destination. Uh, you can use the resort as your as your one stop, but uh, there's so much to do in and, in and around the area. Herald's Bay is eight minutes. Yeah. Vic Bay, if you want to surf, is probably 12 minutes. Mm. And it's all well, this is about 12 or 15 as yeah. well, so it's close. And it's less than 10 minutes from the airport as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, guys, you, you, you definitely got it all. Thanks so much for your time. And, uh, again, c- congrats on these awards. I mean, I know it sounds cliched and you guys you guys have an amazing property, but it's the hottest thing in all sport is to stay at the top. And, yeah, it's it's really, really amazing to have a resort like this in SA that we can go to. Thanks very much. We look forward to seeing you at the BMW. Yes. Yeah, I was there five years ago for this event. And, um, wow, I, I was given the invite and I just said yes. I didn't even look at the calendar. Whatever was going to be on <laughs> was going to get cancelled shortly after. It's such an amazing event, and to see all those international faces coming there, and they are always blown away. It's, I, I can't wait. I'm so, so excited about this. Yeah. See you soon. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Thank you. Appreciate it. So the links at Fancourt, that is the number one golf course in South Africa, and the resort, of course, is, well, it's right up there. I mean, there's no resort rankings, but those awards that I mentioned at the start of the interview, those are real deal awards, huh? and the golf industry, as you know, is a massive deal. 
employs a whole bunch of people and is one of the great things that we can really be proud of in this country because we've got world-class facilities and a lot of them are actually really affordable. I know people are going to say, well, the links at Fancourt's we're never going to play it because it's so expensive. Sure, but there's always time and place you can make a special occasion, and they're more than happy to have you there. It's a great place to stay. It's a great place to be at, and I'll be there fifth uh, to the eighth of March, I think it is. So I won't be in the studio for that week, but I'll pre-record something for you, and then if you look on social media, I'll be telling you all about how great the place is. It's not like one of those subtle brag things. It's just you know keeping you on the loop of what's going on. Right, Justin Gatlin is coming to South Africa. Now, I know this was meant to be a full golf show, but I've got a very special guest that's kind of, well, spontaneously popped in. Uh, Ray? Let me just check out the right microphone going here. Hi, Ben. Yeah, so Ray, Ray Wixel is, I don't know if, um, basically Google Ray Wixel. This dude, now, we, we meet and come into contact with amazing people here in Cliff Central. Ray was on uh, Gareth's show recently, uh, interviewed him. Ray's a former professional athlete. Now, what makes Ray a little bit more special than the other performer, former professional athletes, he's run 24 sub-four-minute miles. Ray, there was a time where I did some content around trying to run a sub-four-minute mile. I lasted four months. I tore ligaments in my leg, and I it, it broke me as a human being. <laughs> you, you was this? Were you always a track athlete from day one? Yes, I started when I was eight years old, and uh, my main goal was to be one of the top American middle distance runners. And uh, yeah, breaking the four minutes—it was a tough job, but I think once you break it, you get used to breaking it. Well, that's incredible. Okay, so we, we don't have to get into your your athletic prowess right here because that's a benchmark for itself. The whole Roger Bannister story and book, I've, I've covered that in many, many uh, different podcasts previously. Incredible feat. But the reason you're in, you're here, Ray, is because I have a vision, you have a vision. I think between the two of us, we're going to get together and bring some really great guests into studio. Ray's got a great athletic background, but he was also the guy who was responsible for bringing Nike back into the country after apartheid. So, Ray, I mean, you've got stories for days and days and days. I mean, off air, obviously, when, when Ray's here, we always chat. And before I know it, half an hour is gone. Your personal stories aside, Justin Gatlin's coming to this country. He's quite a polarizing character. Great now, athlete. Before we get into any of our athletics, um, interviews that I really, really want to have along with you, he is a great athlete. You can't help but go and touch on the whole, the, 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 the doping, which has happened twice. And some people are saying the third investigation on the way. Some people are saying that cricket, uh, sorry, athletics Africa shouldn't be putting athletes like this into the into the field because of his whole sordid history other people are saying he's the world champ he's going to get bumps on seats or what's your personal take on a guy like Gatlin coming to the country no I think it's great that South Africa has the Olympic gold medalists and you know he got tested like every single month in the United States the guy's clean now you know he knows the mistakes he's made but uh, we need the Gatlins we need the Usain Bolts we need some of the great athletes here to spend time with the youngsters and to motivate them and also what you said, Ben, we need to fill the stadiums and we need to get yes. athletics like it was in the 80s, in the early 90s. We need to fill the stadiums. And South Africans, they love track and field. Well, when you think about how successful athletics is becoming in South Africa, Wade Finico, of course, he's the big success story. Akani Sambini, I actually met him last night. It'd be really great to get him in the studio soon as well. These are all guys who are just showing you what a snapshot of all the talent is out there. Rugby, there's, there's issues, you know, rugby and cricket use a lot. What school you go to, you need to go to the right schools to be in the right sort of setup, to be seen by the right coaches to kind of progress. Football's difficult as well. Athletics is like taking raw talent. And I reckon we, we, we can't get it too wrong in this country with all the talent around there. We need obviously infrastructure in tracks. 
a few coaches here and there. But I mean, what else? What else is holding us back? In all your experience, what would you see would be the one reason we we're not producing more champions? I think Ben, what we need in South Africa, and I mentioned it about a year ago. We need good scouts. We need to find the talent. I mean, Luvo, look what he's done in the long jump. Unbelievable, Castor Semenya. There's so many great female athletes out there, but we must find them, and we must find the right scouts to go out and find them. But South Africa, for a tiny country. We did amazingly well in the Olympic Games. I can only yeah. really get better. I know there's yeah. um, there's some talented coaches here. I'm not just talking about Wade Fenikuk's uh, grandmother or his yes. aunt. Uh, yeah, she's an older one. I think she's over 70 years old. Yeah, <laughs> but, but, but there is just so much talent. So Gatlin's going to be here. It's March the 8th. It's in the Tuck Stadium, Chwane. Pretoria, yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm not going to be here. But... Uh, you know, is it a precursor to getting more guys out like that? Like how difficult, I mean, you would know from your background with Nike and obviously being a professional athlete working with them, how difficult is it to get these guys out here? And, you know, is it a money thing or is it more of a connection kind of thing? It's both. It's money and a connection. Uh, I know that Michael Mayer uh, had a lot to do with bringing Usain Bolt um, and Gatlin out. So it's it's really contacts and, and building relationships with the agents overseas and, you know, having them give back to the youngsters in different countries. Yeah, it is. I mean, you think what can happen from an event. Firstly, you've got kids going to see something they would never see, but you get these names, and these guys are real superstars. I mean, I know the Olympics is every four years, but these guys are big enough names to kind of exist outside of that. Um, wow, I mean, I, I'm actually really bummed about this whole scheduling problem, because see this guy live would be quite something. Looking at, at local sprinters, looking at local long-distance runners, looking at high jump, all that kind of stuff, do you think enough's kind of being done at, at schools you know, when you look at like infrastructure that goes into having tracks in rural areas, I get that. But do you think school sports should be putting more emphasis into this? Absolutely. Uh, we need to bring the athletes to the school, Ben. And that's something that's been lacking for the last 20 years. We need to bring the heroes. We did that very successfully in the United States. But we need them to motivate the kids and just give them hope to be one of the greats like they were. Because that's another thing about yeah. the whole American college system as well. I mean, track and field and those kind of things. It's a real big – like they recruit from around the world. All over. All over the world. Now, is that because there's just a much better system as far as they've got all the different meets that go coast to coast? Or is it like is, is it like American football? You get different conferences and regions. Well, you have a lot in the states. You have a, a athletic meet every single weekend, and the competition is unbelievable at every single event, from the hundred meters all the way up to the ten thousand meters, and also the field events. So, athletics is is booming at the moment in the United States. All right. Well, if we learn from the different models from overseas, athletics is definitely one of those sports. And I'm so excited about the different sprinters coming through. And the great thing about sprinting as well is that, sure, you can get like a world-famous 10,000-meter runner come around. But we're looking at attention spans here of, of new new audiences. A 10-second race, who doesn't have time for that? Like, this is definitely where we got to start with the attention. Absolutely. And then for, you know, other interesting sports like golf and tennis, they all want to come and see the fastest human in the world. On South African tartan, you know, it's unbelievable. Yeah, because, you know, if you're a golfer, if you're a rugby player, everybody wants to see the fastest human. And I'm just very excited uh, to have him in South Africa, and I'll definitely be there on the 8th. All right, so here's a little challenge to you. Ben at thebounce.co.za. We are going to up the ante with the interviews. And like I said, like Ray is is an amazing source of information for a variety of sports. And he's just an amazing guy when it comes to contacts and what he's done in various sports along with athletics. So email me, ben at thebounce.co.za. Let's get a little list together. 
when we've we've been doing the show for a few years now and I'll be the first to admit it hasn't always been the greatest from the beginning but now we've got a whole new bunch of impetus coming through here Cliff Central itself we know we're bringing a lot more interest tell me the people that you really want to get interviewed in this country um I'm so excited about the fact that we can bring in more people nowadays and along with Ray I, Ray, I, I just want to see you interview these guys because when we chat about this, different stories, it'll be very interesting. I met a Carnison B last night. He's definitely one of my one of my interview targets, as you'll see on the vlog, which will go out tomorrow on the, the YouTube channel. So just feel free, mail us. Let's get a list together. We can do it together as listeners, and of course, as his host, we're gonna get some great names here in the studio because there's so many great sporting stories to be told. And with that. We take the local approach to that. Before we know it, we've got more people at the Olympics, more people doing amazing things, inspiring the youth. Ray, I look forward to having you in the studio in future. Great. I look forward to being with you, Ben. Thanks a lot. I think we've got some great content that we can really uncover here and do. And um, getting back to earlier guests, uh, Ryan and Michelle and Stuart on the golf front, great things happening in sports. And if I can showcase it here on the show, it makes me particularly happy. So thanks for joining me this week. Otherwise, go on to cliffcentral.com right now and you'll catch the daily podcast of my daily sports bulletins. Otherwise, thebounce.ca.za. There's a whole bunch of daily unique content there. Otherwise, follow me at follow the bounce on Twitter, follow the bounce on YouTube, the bounce on Instagram, as well as follow the bounce on Facebook. I have plugged myself to death. All I need to do now is just sign off for the show. Catch you back next week. Um, and then, of course, yeah, the big golf trip to Fancourt's coming up soon, but I'll tell you more about that closer to the time. Thanks for joining me. Catch you next week. This is cliffcentral.com.